Welcome to Inside the Groove, a podcast about the music of Madonna. I'm your host, Edward Russell, and every episode I'll be taking a well-known Madonna track and telling the story of how it was written and how it was recorded. I'll be using multi-track sessions and demos to break down the creative process and find out how Madonna has been behind some of the greatest pop songs of the last 40 years. Evita the movie opened on Christmas Day 1996, just five weeks since the soundtrack was released and a little over two months since the birth of her first child, Lourdes Leon. The movie would bring huge success to Madonna, she would win a Golden Globe for her performance and the new original song from the movie would win an Oscar. I'll be discussing how that song, You Must Love Me, was written. At the head of the movie is of course the beautiful Don't Cry For Me Argentina, which would come with a set of dance remixes when released as a single. The scene where it appears in the movie would be central to the plot and I'll discuss how Madonna used her charm to allow access to the location where it's filmed. I'd originally planned to do two episodes about Evita, but there's so much to discuss that it's actually going to be three episodes. You're going to have a whole third part with me discussing Madonna's vocals with the Honest Vocal Coach, a.k.a. Georgina, and we're also going to talk about the versions by Julie Covington, Elaine Page and Patti Lapone. But I will take time this episode to talk about the legacy of Evita and what it did for Madonna's career afterwards, including the live versions of some of the songs. I'm also going to discuss the Miami mix of Don't Cry For Me Argentina. I'm going to tell you how it happened and why it happened. So sit back, relax, it won't be easy and you'll think it's strange as we go Inside the Groove. Welcome to part two of the Evita story. I have to admit that I like to set myself a challenge, but I wasn't prepared for such positive feedback to the first part of the story. And I've discovered that some of you are absolutely obsessed with Evita. And of course, many of you don't care for it at all. And I suppose, as I've discussed before, that's the beauty of Madonna. She's been involved in so many different things over the years that there are always gonna be some people that just don't connect with parts of her work. But it is and was a very important part of Madonna's personal life. She put everything into the role and worked closely with the musical director David Caddick. He, in turn, put her onto Joan Leder to work her voice. And according to Madonna, she would often find her lessons would be sandwiched between Roberta Flack and Patti Lupone, Patti herself. 
And despite the incredible work done, it was felt that Madonna's voice didn't suit some of the songs in their original keys. Don't Cry For Me Argentina being one of the songs which was uncomfortably high for her to sing. However, nothing had prepared Madonna for the very first day of recording. The session was in London on 2nd of October 1995. And the best recollection of the day's events comes from Alan Parker himself in the making of Evita book. He says... Our first day in CTS Studios in Wembley, it has to be said, was a complete nightmare, what became known amongst us as Black Monday. David Caddick had, probably idealistically, suggested that we begin with Don't Cry For Me Argentina, with Madonna laying down a guide vocal simultaneously with an 84-piece orchestra. Andrew Lloyd Webber attended this recording session and was frankly soon apoplectic about everything from the playing of the instruments to the conductor, to the engineer, to the way that the orchestra was configured in the studio, to the closeness of the violins to the studio wall. Madonna equally hated the experience and was close to tears and she wondered, with due cause, what the hell she'd gotten herself into. The cosy, creative recording environment she was used to was light years away from this frenetic musical madhouse as the worlds of musical theatre, film and recording were suddenly colliding. It was obvious that I had to put things right. Well, Alan did sort it, but not before there was a press call and the cast and crew had to pose for pictures for the cameras. Now, the pictures taken that afternoon show everybody looking surprisingly happy and smiley, even though that's not how they felt at all. Alan continues, That evening, I followed Andrew's car home and we had dinner in an Italian restaurant near his house. The conversation was heated while the food got cold, but we finally reached positive creative conclusions, as I have to say we have on every occasion since. Alan continues, I suggested that Andrew and I go around immediately to Madonna's hotel to talk to her, which we duly did. Between the three of us, we decided how to proceed. So, at Andrew's insistence, the uh, celebrated American conductor John Mercury came to London to conduct all the orchestra sessions, whilst David Caddick worked with Alan Parker, Madonna and the rest of the cast at Whitfield Street Studios, which was a more contemporary style of music studio that Madonna was used to. And they would perform in a large room, but with plexiglass in between them, so that the sound was contained on their own unique microphone feeds. Madonna would get really into character, and during one song, she led Jimmy Nail around the room, going through the physical motions of the scene as they sang with handheld microphones. Madonna performed on 20 of the 31 total songs on the soundtrack. Everything was recorded in advance of filming so that the actors would mime on set. However, in the end, two of the songs, Your Little Body Slowly Breaking Down and Lament, were recorded live on set because the action wasn't quite what matched what had been recorded. Alan did himself say it was almost like making the movie twice, once for the record and again for the film itself. As well as resurrecting a non-Madonna song which hadn't been performed in the original stage play, the film included a brand new song. The reason being, the only way that the soundtrack could be nominated for an Oscar was if there was a new original piece of music. And the resulting song was, of course, You Must Love Me. Alan explains the story about how that song came about. He says, I was visiting Andrew at his country estate in Berkshire to play him the tracks we had recorded. He suddenly sat down at the piano and played the most beautiful melody, which he suggested could be our new song. Needless to say, I grabbed it. However, we still needed lyrics. So Tim dutifully began to put words to the music. 
The vast majority of the original Evita score have been done this way, music first, lyrics afterwards. Tim Rice later said, I remember taking lyrics to Madonna and she was trying to change them. Her view was that Perron loved Eva, but my view was more cynical. The scene can be interpreted in different ways, but my lyrics were kept, thank God. Well, Madonna did find her own way to interpret the song, but more of that later. The filming schedule was incredibly grueling. Filming is always tough with 11 hour days, but imagine that across multiple continents over several months and things were complicated when Madonna found herself pregnant. Now, as this podcast concentrates on the music, I won't go into too many details about the filming, but I will tell you an interesting anecdote about the famous balcony scene for the song Don't Cry For Me Argentina. Even in the mid-90s, there was such a strong feeling for or against Ava Perón that they encountered difficulties throughout the whole pre-production period of the film. During an early meeting with President Menon, he himself a pro-Ava Perón person, Alan Parker was told that there was absolutely no chance that the film crew could have access to Casa Rosada, the government building where it hoped so much filming could take place. Things didn't get much easier when Madonna was announced as the actress due to play Ava, with signs such as Madonna, go home, placed all over Argentina when the film crew arrived. The production designer took hundreds of photos of Casa Rosada in the hope of rebuilding it as a set in England for when it came to filming the famous balcony scene. Madonna, however, had built up a huge legion of Peronists as allies when she was doing her research into the movie. And through this network, she was offered a private personal meeting with President Menin. She was actually in a script meeting with Alan Parker when the call came through for her to attend. And as she ran out the door, Alan Parker gave her a CD saying, don't forget to play Don't Cry For Me Argentina. She got an hour's meeting with the president and after that, Alan Parker, Madonna, Antonio and Jonathan were invited for a meal around at the president's place. Whilst punching on his famous pizza, they were talking around the subject before Madonna finally said, let's cut to the chase, do we have the balcony or not? The president smiled and said, you can have the balcony. Well, a short while later and with 4,000 extras, they filmed the famous scene that was at the heart of the movie. Jumping forward, when it came to releasing that song as a single, it was accompanied by a set of remixes initially for radio but then later released, known as the Miami Mix, and you would have heard it at the beginning of this episode. Now personally, I'm not very keen on that set of mixes. I think I quite like them at the time, I just don't think they've aged very well. They're too fast and, I don't know, it just doesn't seem to work to speed up that particular melody. But. I may be in a minority, some of you are really, really keen on it. Rod Thomas, aka Bright Light, Bright Light, said he strongly disagrees. And I thought many of you would like to know a bit about the story of how those remixes came about. Searching through a back issue of Billboard magazine, I got the full story. It was Madonna who had wanted to do a remix of Don't Cry For Me Argentina right from the moment she started production on the main Evita soundtrack. And this went down really well with radio. Barney Kilpatrick, who was the VP for promotion at Warner Records, said at the time, The biggest thrill for me in working this record is that top 40 programmers have been begging us to release a dance record by Madonna for the last three or four years. It's a pleasure giving them what they want. Madonna turned to Pablo Flores and Javier Garza to rework the track. Liz Rosenberg, who was Madonna's publicist at the time, said, Since she didn't write the music and lyrics, she wanted her signature on that song. 
She can't resist trying to put her personal spin on a project. I think in her mind the best way to do it was to go into the studio and work up a remix. And there's even quotes from Madonna in the article. She said, I knew the classic version of Don't Cry For Me Argentina would have a hard time on radio. I thought this was the perfect way to serve both beasts. So, in August 1996, a heavily pregnant Madonna hired Flores and Garza to work on the track. Flores said her goal was to maintain the integrity of the song and the continuity of the movie. She wanted something that would be dance, but faithful to the movie and to Argentina with a Latin feel. Indeed, Madonna told the pair that she didn't like generic remixes where someone else put their own beat to one of her songs. So this was complete recreation. Madonna said, I really wanted it to have a Latin flavour and to have an element of tango music. It represents a combination of time periods, those of the movie of Disco's Peak and of the present with the Latin feel. The production duo did the original arrangement in Miami and then went to LA to add the guitar and of course Madonna's vocals and she did them in both Spanish and English. There's also an Argentinian instrument, a bandoneon, which sounds a bit like an accordion and you hear it at the start of the song. Once recorded, Madonna had to take it to Alan Parker and Andrew Lloyd Webber to get their permission. Alan liked it but said it wasn't really his kind of style of music and there's no word of what Andrew Lloyd Webber thought of the track but we can imagine he wasn't so keen. However, it went to radio. Warners were determined that it wouldn't get a commercial release but eventually, after much pressure, they relented and you're listening to the result. Now, I said I don't particularly like it. Obviously, if you do, you do. I actually think as a piece of music on its own, as an instrumental, like you're hearing now, it's really lovely and it works beautifully. I just think that the tempo of the original song doesn't work sped up. Madonna's vocals are also brilliant. I just think the two together sound like a mess, but hey, if you disagree with me, you'll probably be switching off if I carry on anymore. Let's face it, it's a brilliant representation of music at the time. On release of the movie, well, reviews varied. Time magazine raved about it, whereas it got zero stars from Chicago Reader. Their critic, Jonathan Rosenbaum, said that he walked out halfway through, though Madonna, he said, fails honourably, but that the music was non-musical. Hmm, not sure I agree with that. However, Madonna did win a Golden Globe for her performance in 1997, which must have seemed like a complete affirmation. She didn't, however, get even a nomination for an Oscar. However, the song You Must Love Me did get a nomination for Best New Song, so Madonna agreed to perform at the Oscars. It has to be one of her very best vocal performances of all time. She's really nervous at first, and that's not surprising when you consider that people like Barbara Streisand were in the audience, but she delivered a stellar rendition, and it must have ultimately felt like a dream come true for her. Have a listen to this performance. Now, maybe not surprisingly, two former Evitas weren't entirely kind about Madonna's performance in the movie. 
Elaine Page, of course, found fame with the role when she brought it to the West End. And many years later, she screen tested for the movie. But she says that she's never seen the final version. She told the Daily Mail, Why would I be interested in watching someone play the role I wanted so badly? As it happens, I have now seen the death scene. And I must say, Madonna did die well. Ouch. <laughs> Patti Lapone, however, who brought the role to Broadway, was far less elusive in her comments. Now, Patti has a fantastic voice and admits herself that she was already far too old to play Evita by the time that the movie was made. Now, she claims that she was actually off the role of Evita's mother at one point. I don't know if that's true, but she took it with good grace. But without ever directly referencing Madonna, she criticised the movie for changing the keys of songs and claiming that this changed their emotional connection with the audience. She was also a bit more direct in her dislike of Madonna when recounting a meeting and how Madonna's only reaction was, oh, you're much shorter than me. She seemed quite surprised by this, despite the fact that it's been quite well known on Broadway that Patty has not been very, hmm, very kind, shall we say, about Madonna's performance. Madonna, however, had the last laugh. During an interview, she said that Patty had told her vocal coach, Joan Lader, I think Madonna will be really successful in the role. Now, as far as we know, Patty never said that, but it's on record. Well done, Madonna. You'll be hearing a bit more about Elaine and Patty and Julie Covington's version in part three of this podcast. But let's turn back to the legacy of Evita. Apart from the old singing of songs in the occasional Instagram post, Madonna hasn't really referenced the musical since she left the role. The exception, of course, is her performance of Lament from the 2004 Reinvention Tour. Have a listen to this. The choice was mine and mine completely I could have Obviously, Madonna's voice is centre to the success of Evita, and I was really pleased to do a special conversation with Georgina, aka the Honest Vocal Coach, about Madonna's voice on the songs and, of course, the other versions. In fact, we spoke for over 20 minutes, and it was enough to be an episode on its own. So, very shortly, you'll be getting Evita Part 3, which is me and Georgina in discussion about Madonna, about Elaine, about Patty, and all those nasty things that were said and all the great things about Madonna as well. And one version is a cut above all the rest as far as we're concerned. And if you can't wait, don't worry, you can listen to that third episode straight away. You just need to become a patron of the podcast. Head to www.insidethegroove.co.uk and follow the Become a Patron link. I think, however, the final word on Evita has to go to Madonna herself, who said in the making of Evita book... I had no idea what I was in for when I was asked to be in this movie, but I soon realised that there was no middle ground, no playing it safe. It was sink or swim for everyone. We all took chances and we all made sacrifices. Well, Madonna, I'm very grateful you did. I love Evita, as I said, and I hope that some of you who weren't quite sure about it have now watched the movie or listened to the soundtrack and feel the same way. I'd like to give a special thank you to Anthony Bryce, who helped me on the research for these set of episodes. 
In the meantime, stay safe.